You're listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast with your host, Jessica Hawks, where we get honest about all things entrepreneurship, balancing life and business, and navigating the world in a digital age. Welcome back to another episode of Digital State of Mind. I am excited for today's episode. This is going to be a great one for any of you who are starting out as a business owner or who are already business owners who are afraid of selling, which is always a big fear when you come into the online space, because we have Melanie O'Bear. I have known Melanie literally since you guest spoke in the round of OSP that I was in when I first started my business. So we've known each other. Really? Yeah. So this month we'll have known each other for two years, which is really crazy. I know. It really does. It is crazy. I know. I didn't even realize that I was coming up. I'm sure this has happened to you, but the the anniversaries of your business, it's like, you're like in your head, you're like, oh my God, I've been in business for like five years. And then you're like, oh, (laughs) no, I haven't. It only, it always feels like less though. I'm like, it's only been two years, really Mm -hmm. been like four. And I'm like, where did the time go? I don't know know what um, day it is though. I know it's because we're just like constantly going through so many things on the internet. It feels like time is just in warp speed. It's really yes, weird. So funny. So funny. Well, I'm super excited to have you here, Melanie. Melanie guest speaks. She's guest spoken in every single round of Digital Creatives Academy. And I love having her back. Everyone is so obsessed with your energy. So <laughs> you also talk a lot about money mindset, which is mm-hmm. so huge. I think I've realized in like the past six months how huge that is. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have you tell your story. Tell us a little bit about how you got started. I think you have a really awesome, inspirational story. So if you could just kind of take it back to the beginning to how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here always. <laughs> um, my journey is I actually got here on accident, which we're going to talk about, but I went from living out of my car to a multi seven figure business and it wasn't the easiest journey for myself, but uh, we're here today. We're standing, we're doing the thing. I grew up in a family of drug addicts. My dad was in out of prison my entire life. We were in poverty. I didn't have my own bed until I was 21. So there, I have five other siblings, so six of us in total uh, kid-wise. And my entire life was just spending for yourself. And I mean, like stealing food to eat. That's how hungry we were. So my upbringing was uh, very... I'm very humble growing up the way that I did. But when I was really young, I always knew that I was meant for more. I can't really explain what that feels like besides I just knew I was going to do some epic shit in this in this lifetime. And I didn't want to be anything like my parents. So growing up, it was more of a hustle because I needed money to survive. So that was just what I did. But I've had multiple jobs. I went to college for marketing. And in the process, it led me to here. Uh, but the online space was a goofy one. I was actually working three jobs at the time when the uh, Instagram like was booming. It was like... I don't want to age myself. This is a while ago. And it was... Uh, what were the three jobs at the time? I was working as a personal trainer. I was working at a yogurt shop. And I was also <laughs> working at a before and after school program. So three wow. jobs. 
yes, up at like 4 a.m., didn't get home till like midnight. Every Has everyone just like been a personal trainer at some point? I feel like so many people <laughs> in the online space started out as that. That's, that's, so what I, that's how I knew. Yes. So that was my segue. When I was a personal trainer, I'll never forget the moment when one of my colleagues was like, have you seen Paige Hathaway, this like famous Instagram fitspo? And I was like, what? And so yeah, when I like, in back, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I post like pictures of like the most random shit on there with like the really ugly filters at the time. Oh my God. Valencia. But, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I was like, okay, this is neat. And when I investigated what she was doing, she was selling these um, like online training programs. And I'm like, okay, first of all, easy. I could totally do this. So that was like a light bulb moment. I got here because I saw someone else doing it. And I wasn't like, oh, well, she is clearly more passionate or has more followers. There was no excuse. I was just like, she's proof that it can be done. And then that's what that's when I started in the online space. I started posting workout videos. That's when the algorithm was like the bomb. Like one video got like mm-hmm. 300,000 views. It was amazing. It's like YouTube um, and in the old days. Yes, yes, yes. And that's like when I started was when like Amanda Bucci was like coming Mm -hmm. up on YouTube. It was like, it's old, old. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, I sold like $25 fitness eBooks literally for like three months. I was making no money. And then from there, I noticed how we have like a zone of genius and a zone of excellence. My zone of excellence, I loved, I loved working out. Like it was one of, it was a passion of mine, but it wasn't where I really thrived. I really thrived in the cracking the code on the sales piece, on the content piece, on the marketing piece. So from there I began, I reinvented myself as a marketing mentor, a done for you marketing mentor. So what I did was I wrote content for people. I did their backend email funnels. I was like a jack of all trades. And then eventually I was like, okay, I'm done with the done for you. Now I want to coach on this because there's more that I want to talk about when it comes to marketing and sales, mostly, which is changing traditionally how it's been taught because I think it's all outdated and and bogus. But Mm -hmm. that's, that was my very quick in a probably longer than I should have talked three minute (laughs) synopsis of how I got here. No, I love that. And it's so, I think you're our second guest who was, who was here like when Instagram, like the business Instagram was first starting. And it's kind of crazy how many people even like two, we were just talking before we started recording about how, or no, we were at the beginning of this episode, we were talking about how I, you know, had my business now for two years. And even when I first started my business, I had no idea that there was a business space on Instagram at all. It's so crazy how much it's changed. Um, Mm -hmm. What are like the big changes that you see from then? I know you mentioned how much easier it was to work with the algorithm, but what are the big changes you see in business then compared to now what it is? Yeah. I I would say the biggest piece is when I was on Instagram, when it first started, uh, Facebook didn't own Instagram at the time. So that was like back in the day. Yeah. Um, so now that Facebook owns Instagram, it's now competing with all of the other social platforms. So which means it's changing rapidly. Mm-hmm. You can now put money behind advertisements. So they're really they're really working hard to get you to stay on that platform. So again, because there's more eyeballs, there's more competition, there's more, you have to move with the algorithm versus trying to work against it. Like I hate when people are like, I cracked the algorithm code. I'm like, no, you didn't. It's going right. to change tomorrow. Yeah. Like it did. Nice try. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like adapting and evolving with, it's like the most important piece. So uh, like when Reels first came out, it's competing with TikTok. So like right. moving and following the trends is very, very important. Um, but that's, that's the biggest piece that I found because when Instagram first started. I was selling before stories were a thing. 
like oh my God. story i know <laughs> stories came out when snapchat was big so when i, I know how embarrassing yeah you're I'm taking myself. these memories from the recent yeah. of my yeah. mind <laughs> yeah so before that it was like i remember when first stories first came out, i heard people's voices for the first time i was like oh god that's what you sound like it was so weird it was so weird so yeah. now it, the cool thing is it's easier to sell if you do it the right way but traditional marketing and sales was very masculine the way that it was taught was like you're pushing a lot of things at people because they were bombarded but now with how you can really interact on the platforms it's people see you for you and like that piece is changing because ultimately if you're comparing yourself to two like if there's two people you're looking to hire you're always going to opt for the person that you feel like you connect with the best right. so the connection piece is very very important in the space now when it wasn't as i mean it always was important but now more than ever because of how the algorithm is it's like it's crucial right it's crucial. And that it, it seems like sales have evolved so much over oh, the yeah. past few years. So I guess maybe like the past five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I assume that whenever you entered in the online space, it was very much so still kind of like the old school selling. I mean, we still see that even now. So of yeah. course, I'm sure it was even more then. So when you entered into the online space, what was there? Was there like a moment where you were like, I don't want to sell this way where it's like pushy yeah. and making people uncomfortable. Was there some type of like pivotal moment or how did that kind of transform? Yeah, it was a full come to Jesus moment. Um, so, <laughs> Your first disastrous sales call that you yeah. told the story about. Oh, God, yes. So it's interesting because sales was easy when I was doing it my way with the fitness stuff. And then when I got mm. into coaching and when I hired my very first business coach, the way she sold was very, very, very masculine, traditional, like telemarketing sales, mm. meaning you get as many people on the calls as possible because you're technically speaking, the more calls you have, the less, the less, or the higher of a chance you have of converting people. And that to me, when she told me to do that, I was like, in my body was like a hard hell no. And so yeah. but I didn't have, I was like, okay, there, is this the only way? Because I don't think I'm cut out for business. And it's unfortunate that so many of us will enter this space thinking that's the only way when it's not. Right. And we're like, I don't think I could do this because I, it felt so gross in my body that I physically could not go through with it. Like people right. on the phone be like, are you, are you unwell? I'm like, yes, I can't. Um, so I, you don't, I, you I, don't I, have to listen to me. You don't have to buy any of this actually. It's totally fine. Right. Free? Free. How about that? There was a lot immediately. Yes. But like, think about this for a moment. Like when it comes to sales and how we approach sales, like we're not actually scared of sales. We're scared of how we've been sold to. If you think about, and I get this example a lot, when you go to the mall and like the bottom is all the kiosks that like line the bottom floor, you are even like, I get anxiety thinking about walking down there because they like, they harass you. They're running yeah. after you. They're like, let me straighten your hair. Let me try. And you're like, no, I just don't know. Thank you. Like, please leave me alone. Yeah. We just had someone come to our door trying to sell solar panels. And like the guy was like, why don't you want them? Don't you want to save money? I'm like, what are you, what's happening here? So oh. it's, it was very pushy. And so I never wanted to push anything at someone ever because that's not just, I don't, I want to invite people in. So that's, mm -hmm. that's how I sell now is inviting people in. But I've had multiple coaches tell me to my face, paid them to tell me a different way of doing it and said, my business would never work the way I was, the way that I'm doing it. And I'm wow. here now, six, seven figures later being like, hell yeah, it does. So yeah. that's like the piece that I'm determined to change because there's an energetic component to it, which is actually science-based. And then there's a, a 
who you want to attract piece to. Like if I am selling to somebody, right, and I know that my ideal client is someone who is a very intelligent human being who knows what they want, why am I going to get on my stories or via my content and talk to them like they are dumb? Like, do you really need 50,000 Instagram story slides saying why you need this? Or do you Mm -hmm. already know when you come into my space and just when you see my content, you know officially? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So that's how I said. Yeah. And and whenever it's – I feel like it's really hard to find good information about sales in general. And I'm sure it was when you entered into the online space. Were there like any specific resources that you went to? Like where? how did you start learning about – selling because there's so much psychology behind it. You were just talking about like the energy, energetic components of it. There's so much more to it than just, okay, here's a sales script, go do it. It's learning how to respond to people and how to tackle questions they have and, you know, apprehensions that they have. So what, how did you start learning about that? Yeah. So I would say when it comes to the sales psychology, why she buys was a very good resource. However, what people do is they use sales psychology in a masculine way. Like, uh, mm. and this is why people don't like marketing sales because like it's very manipulative and it's right. this, because we use it for like the wrong intentions. To me, energy speaks louder. So if I'm being honest, I made it up. I, mm. I studied and looked at the energy of communication, the masculine and feminine energies that, that play a part in communicating. We all know and feel this every single day. And then I connected the dots myself. So when it comes to content, I created my own formula for that. When it comes to sales, I created my own formula for that because it wasn't working the way it was done. And if I'm being honest, the textbooks that are written on sales, that is from the encyclopedia door-to-door selling days that does not exist anymore. Like it's Mm -hmm. not even at my corporate job. I was like, you people need to, I was like one of the only females and also the youngest. I was like, this needs, you guys need to evolve or you're not going to survive in the digital space. Mm -hmm. There's no way you're going to make it. It's going where it's changing so rapidly. It's insane. So the way people are teaching and coaching now when it comes to sales, I'm just like, oh, doesn't, it doesn't work. We're in a new era of selling. We're in a new era of marketing. It's, it's different. And you feel it. Even the way that you buy is different nowadays. Yeah, it's you know? it's so crazy and it's I think that TikTok is probably one of the biggest things. I've never really seen a social media platform come into existence and then really been super involved in the evolving of it until TikTok happened and I was there from the start and it was a huge component to my business growth and everything. Mm-hmm. But I was like, wow, this is I even noticed it in myself and it's so interesting because like with the way TikTok works, you like a video, like sure it goes into your liked videos, but yeah. who actually goes back to those and who is able to efficiently find anything in there. So it's interesting <laughs> because it's trained us to buy yeah. so quickly. You see something and you're like, okay, I have to act on this yes. right now, whether it's a product or a person or a service. Yes. And you're like, okay, I have to act now or else I'm going to forget about this or I'm going to lose it or I'm not going to be able to find it, which is really wild Absolutely. compared to how it used to be. Yeah. It's the so amount crazy. of shit that I buy from TikTok and Facebook oh and like God. Instagram, I'm just like, what is – but that's what I mean though. And here's the difference. It's And this is what I teach to my clients when it comes to sales. Desire-based selling over need. Mm-hmm. When you see videos and things of like, you need this, here's why. Like think about how you spend money you need to spend. Like on mm-hmm. your mortgage or your rent or on your phone bill or you're like, oh, this money could be spent somewhere else. Like a anything else I'd rather, I'd rather spend this money on. And that's, so people now will say to you, if, if you're doing need-based marketing, 
they'll say to you, oh, I can't afford that. And then go buy the new iPhone, I joke, right? Because they mm-hmm. want that. We always find room and space and money for things that we desire to have and want to have. So the way that I teach marketing and sales from a very desire-based, you want to, when you enter this space, whatever it is that you're doing, remember that you're helping someone do something, especially my service-based people, even right. products too. Like you're helping either make someone's life easier, you're making someone's life a lot faster. You're like my clients quit their jobs. They make multiple six figures. They're not breadwinners. Like they're financially free. They pay off debt. Like that to me is like, hello, do do you need to make a million dollars? No, but you want to. So like that is how I market and sell my services is a place Mm -hmm. from desire because people will always find a way to buy something they want than something they need. Right. And you saying that kind of reminds me of this is a bit going into like money mindset, but I'm going to forget it if I don't say it now. But um, I, I saw this video or so I can't remember what it was, but it was like a total click moment for me because mm. they were talking about essentially how, you know, obviously we kind of, there's that narrative that the people who are like super stingy with their money or have that mentality of I'm never going to make money. I'm so broke, the broke mindset, whatever you want to call it kind of seem to stay in that. But something oh, that yeah. they said was that, that money doesn't like to be stagnant. Money loves to be spent. And I've kind of heard you talk about this as well, but I would love if you kind of elaborate into that because when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, that was such yeah. a light bulb moment for me. Yes. So the way that I want you to think of business, it's like a triangle. We have marketing at one point, we have sales on the other point, we have money on the other point. They all need to coexist at the same time because no matter how good the sales strategy, if your money mindset sucks, your strategy is going to suck. It's always the default you fall into. So here's what's crazy that people don't always realize when it comes to money is we invented it. We invented it. We invented money to make our lives easier. Mm -hmm. And for some reason along the way, we've believed that money controls us. Money is limited by us. And it's like, it's actually, it's humorous when you really think about it. And for a long time, especially it's, I, I really love how I grew up because I was able to see both sides of the coin. Like now I don't even, I can spend without even worrying about anything. And and I look at my family who's still in a poverty mindset and I'm just like, if only you knew what it would exist outside of Mm -hmm. that thought process. But when it comes to money, money never goes where it's needed. It goes where it's wanted. Mm-hmm. It's the energy of. So when we are in the, and I like to use the example of dating. So money is an energy. And what energy likes to do is it likes to move. It likes to move. It likes to be active. It likes to work mm-hmm. for you. So when we're hoarding money out of fear, right? Think about if you're dating someone and they want to go out without you. And you're like, no, no, no. You have to stay here with me so I can watch you and see you and make sure that you're doing all the right things. They'd be like, ugh, I mm-hmm. want to get out and be free. Like get yeah. away from me tells the very person that we're trying to like, or money in a sense, keep it with us and hoard with us because it wants to be free and it wants to move. It wants to live. Um, and when it comes to dating, people who are like, have that neediness energy and we've all been on a date. I was actually a needy person. Yeah. <laughs> I was that girl. Uh, but I was a kind of person who was like, I, I, it, it was an insecurity, right? Like I wanted, like, mm-hmm. I'm so great. Why don't you want to love me? Like I'd make the best spouse. Like, how do you not see that? And it wasn't that I wasn't great. It was my energy around it. Like imagine when you're on a date with someone and they're just like word vomiting why they're so amazing. And you're just like, Ooh, like calm down. Like let's flirt and convert a bit. Like, let's just take it easy a bit. That's the kind of allure that money has to us. It's because it's the energy of someone being very insecure, someone being that needy lack energy. When you're the law of attraction works one of two ways. You're either attracting what you don't want or attracting what you do want. That's it. That's mm-hmm. how it works. 
So if you are in neediness, lack energy, you're focusing on what you do not have. So if you are, I want someone to love me, I want someone to love me, you're in the energy of someone's not loving me. Or I need money to pay my bills. I need money to pay my bills. Like, yeah, that's true. But you're also in the energy of, I don't have the money to pay my bills Mm -hmm. versus the energy of I'm so great. I know my worth. Like anyone who dates me is so freaking lucky. That energy is felt. You know what I mean? Like we feel that kind of confidence and that like allure and that attraction to someone like that and money the same way when it comes to, let's say, and this was really hard for me when it came to like being actually so broke and like not being able to pay my bills and trying to run a business at the same time, like holding that duality. But I found that instead of me focusing on what I don't have, so money, I would focus on what I, what it would be like to have it. So I would sit in the energy of already having the abundance that I don't actually have. When it comes to our brains, our subconscious brain does not know the difference between what is actually true and relevant right now and what is in the future. So when we we future face and act as if we bring that into our existence a lot quicker when we're not sitting in the lack energy. I know that was a lot, but that's no. That's I love cool. that. I think it's so cool, and it's it's so interesting. It's exactly like you said with dating. It's like whenever someone ghosts you or something like that, and then as soon as you're over it and you're like, yes. I don't want anything to do with that person, they come right back to you. It's so crazy how exactly. all of that works, and exactly. it's it's interesting because I think that there's kind of a um mindset or a thought that people have maybe when they're entering into the online space that once I hit this amount of money, I won't have to worry about things or, you know, oh, they they see people who they deem as successful and think that they aren't struggling with these things. And I realized within myself that my money mindset got worse the more money that I made. It was that feeling of, oh, this is going to crash and burn at any given moment. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just very scary. And I think a lot of that comes with, you know, more responsibility and having a team and those people relying on you. And, you know, there's a whole set of other things that come with that. But have you experienced that? And if so, how do you kind of try to move through that feeling of realizing all of a sudden that you have a successful business and that there's people relying on you and that you're doing really well and being scared that it's going to just not be sustainable. Yeah. So it, it, the, the scientific answer to this is it's actually, this is really cool. So one thing that I want to say is problems, right? But, (laughs) But it's, it's like, I joke that like I could, if I had $10 million in my hand right now, I would treat it no different. We give, we put money on a pedestal. We make it this yeah. big old thing when it really is not. It's just a mm-hmm. thing that amplifies who you already are. So right. before I made money, I was very generous. I was very kind. I am that same person just now with nicer clothes and a nicer car. <laughs> like I'm no different. So again, we put this emphasis on the money is when we when we freak out. But here's what's interesting is entrepreneurs are like, this is not a thing. This wasn't a thing when I grew up. Like entrepreneurs, when I grew up was like the guy who invented a toaster. Like there was no such thing as an entrepreneur in my life. So we are literally in a new era of, of life. Like we're creating whole new paths of what is actually sustainable business and new paths for life. Like people thought it was, you go to college, you get a corporate job, and then you retire in that job. And now people like you and I are creating a new, a new safe path for other people. Mm -hmm. So this path is going to feel like it's no big deal. It's just like going to college. What happens is when we experience 
wealth at a different level is our body, our subconscious is not used to that um, unfamiliar unfamiliarity. The uncomfortableness of the next level. So I want you to think about, and I use this example a lot, the Sears Tower in Chicago or like the Empire State Building, it's really, really tall, right? It's it's mm-hmm. hundreds, thousands of feet high. The basement is actually hundreds of feet deep. So with all of us, mm. our basement is our subconscious mind. The higher we go, the more we need to we need to update our, our basement, our foundation, because it can't hold, right? We get wobbly. It can't hold the heights that we're going. So what happens is there's three pieces of time that our brain typically works with, primarily just two. The past, right, which is what has mm-hmm. happened. The now, which is the only point of time that actually matters. And the future. Our brain, whenever we experience doubt or fear or, oh, my gosh, what if the shoe drops, is our brain trying to find predictability in our future. Right. Because we've never been there before, and it's not even real, right? It just feels real because our brain is doing what our brain does. Our brain is actually a very messy mechanism. Like it's not really mm-hmm. controlled very well. We need to learn how to control it, especially when it comes to being an entrepreneur. There's a lot of stressors that come with running a business, mm-hmm. but it's all doable. So when you're experiencing these moments of, holy shit, what if the shoe drops? What if I crash and burn? What if the algorithm or Mark Zuckerberg decides to become a stripper one day and we <laughs> lose everything, right? Like it can happen. Your brain yeah. is doing that because it's trying to give you something to grab a hold onto because it's like, okay, we've never been here before. Let's try to create some predictability. So what you need to do is whenever you're feeling that kind of emotion, 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 in motion, feel it. Mm-hmm. Wow, that would fuck that a uh, freaking sorry. Am I allowed to swear? No, you're fine. Okay. Yeah, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> like it would fucking suck if everything mm-hmm. did crash and burn. But is that fact or is that feeling? Mm-hmm. Like is my brain is doing my brain doesn't trying to keep me safe and keep me small and keep me protected. The answer is yes. If I did if I've done it once, I could do it again. So it's really just learning how mm-hmm. to have a conversation with yourself. It's not real, but your brain is doing what your brain does. So I always say for my clients who are experiencing that in the moment. Feel the emotion, allow it to pass through you. Never respond from a heightened state of emotion. Always come back to a neutral place. So mm-hmm. allow it to pass. Like don't be like, oh my God, my my business, yeah. and then start making decisions in that in that heightened state. But go, go back to a neutral place. And then from there, I want you to look at, okay, is this actually true? And it's almost humorous when you look back and you're like, I was so silly thinking that. Um, but that's what our brain does. It's protecting us. And the more you learn how to course correct in those emotions, the higher up you'll go with more stability. Again, it's just, it's going to happen happen. There's always a wobble because again, the, your foundation needs to be, it needs to readapt to the heights that you are now going to. Right. And it's very reminiscent of, it's funny because the, the larger your business gets and the more successful you get, the different heights of anxiety or mindset struggles that you experience, but it's very reminiscent of being back at the beginning and having those fears of, oh, what if this doesn't work out? What if people Mm -hmm. in my family are going to judge me or my friends see my stories? And that's your biggest worry in the moment. But you forget it's so it's, and I always tell students this too, to look at past things that have actually happened, tangible Mm -hmm. evidence of when you've gone through with things or when you've experienced doubt and you move forward in that versus looking at future unknowns. But it's so hard to take your own advice sometimes, especially as you start reaching new levels within your business. Yeah. I wish someone would have said that it never goes away because it doesn't. It never goes away. You Like literally, Mm -hmm. you need to dance with fear every day. 
If I'm not scared, I'm not growing. So for me, I'm like, how can I scare myself today and do something new? So you got to learn to be okay with it. I know in the beginning, my biggest fear was what if my, you know, old boss sees this and makes Mm -hmm. fun of me? Or like, what if my Mm -hmm. friends from high school make fun of me? And I realized my dad used to say this when I was younger and it's always stuck with me. And ironically, because we were very broke growing up, but he used to say, if they're not paying your bills, why the fuck does it matter? Right. And I was like, yeah, okay. So like mm-hmm. now I'm like, d- d- are they paying my bills? No. Are they paying for my employees? No. Like I don't care what you have to say. And it's always the people who don't believe they can go there that will tell you that you can't go there. Right. If you ask any successful entrepreneur if you can do it, they'll all say yes. Yeah. If you ask some broke person you knew in second grade, they'll tell you no. Right. So be careful where you're getting advice from and who you're worried mm-hmm. about impressing or not impressing. I went to a funeral of one of my uh, friends from high school. He unfortunately passed away. Mm-hmm. And I saw people from high school I haven't seen in for a decade, like that old, right? And they all said, we love watching you run your business. And I was like, oh my God. Like Aww. people I had no idea were even watching me. They're like, you inspire yeah. me so much. And I was like, yes. So part of me is like, I'm doing this shit for the world and I'm doing it for myself mm-hmm. and I'm doing it for everyone that I impact. But it's just like, it's bigger than just us. We're literally putting we're literally putting entrepreneurship on the map. Like this is now right. going to be the standard, a choice instead of college, which I love. Right. And Speaking of that, I kind of want to go back to whenever you were talking about your story and how you grew up and you said that you knew that you didn't want to be like your parents or like, you know, things that you had seen happen. I think there's a big conversation and it may be one that doesn't even have an answer to it, but around if some people are just not cut out for success or not cut out for entrepreneurship, because it is really interesting to see the dynamics of people who maybe there could be another person who grew up in your exact same situation who just kind of resolved to also taking that path in life and I kind of felt similar when I was like growing up and I had a really difficult childhood and then I was like I need to get out of this place because everyone here all my family lives here nobody does anything really you know like that I see myself doing even just on a growth level you know a lot of people just stay in the same place that they were born forever which you know can be good or bad but it brings about I think the topic of do some people just not have that in them or some people not cut out for entrepreneurship? Because I've heard that before from people. I feel like I just can't do it or I feel like I am just not the type of person to be an entrepreneur. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's interesting because depending on the day, I go back and forth on this. But I yeah, I, I, try to, yeah, I try to imagine that if the world was just a bunch of entrepreneurs, I wouldn't have employees. And that would suck. <laughs> so I think yeah. that not everyone is cut out, I think, to deal. I, I think everyone is meant for more if you choose it. So you always have a choice. And I read this poem when I was really young. I was a big, I was an avid reader when I was younger. And it was a poem about these two, they were twins who grew up with an alcoholic father. And both of them, as they grew up, one became an alcoholic, the other one became uh, sober and thriving. And when asked, like, how did you turn out this way? They both said, I watched my father. And it's interesting how you can watch the same example and take it a different way. Um, but I've had my siblings, a few of them addicted to drugs. So like, again, it's the very same context here. But I think that you're always meant for more. You have to choose it. And that can look different for everyone. Like not mm-hmm. everyone, like growing up, I always thought, well, growing up in the online space, I was like, I'm more behind the scenes. And it was more about yeah. a fear. 
It was more out of fear. I, I knew deep down that I wanted to lead and I wanted to be a part of something big. And I knew that I was going to be the front face of that. Uh, but I was playing small because I was, I was afraid. And then when I was like, finally like, okay, pick, I want to pull up my, my big girl panties and all the way up to my boobs. Let's go. Um, <laughs> but I think that going back to your question, some people, yes, some people know, but I think that it doesn't mean that if, if you're not an entrepreneur, that you're not successful. You know what I mean? Like you can make mm-hmm. a lot of money doing a great job at what you want to do. But I think right. that it's, it's a, it's a, not a good excuse to be like, well, I'm not cut out for this. I can't make a lot of money. It's like, that's not true either. So I think that it's meant for some people, not meant for others, but either way, we're all meant for more if that's helpful. Yeah. It's very, yeah, I think it's a very nuanced conversation, but yes. it's so interesting to me because it's, it is. it's, it's interesting also to see how that kind of plays out. Cause there's a lot of people who mm-hmm. think that they aren't meant to be entrepreneurs who then go for it and either crash and burn or surprise themselves yeah. and do amazing. And yeah. I also think it's, it's, this is just kind of for anyone who's listening, who has gone through a lot of struggles or maybe are currently living in an environment that is not ideal for, you know, trying to better yourself. It's interesting, excuse me, it's interesting because I feel like so many people who are successful or so many people who have, you know, made multi-millions or whatever it is that you look to as a pinnacle of what you would want to be in your life, most of them have gone through really, really difficult yeah. things in their life. And it's, it's, I think a lot of that is because it gives you no option. Like you have no option when you're in a situation where you're like, I can't pay my bills unless I like bust it out and get things yeah. done. You're forced to kind of develop that grit and the qualities that maybe make you succeed, or at least maybe kind of speed up your process at success yeah. in the online space. Um, and I, I think that a lot of people view that as a, um, what would be the word, just as not a strength for them when they have gone through a lot of things like that. But I think it's totally the opposite. And I'm sure that you've seen that a lot as well. Oh, absolutely. I, If you're familiar with human design, I'm, I'm actually a projector, yes. which means mm. that I have uh, very low energy. I'm not an energy mm-hmm. type. So I can only work max like three hours a day or else I burn mm-hmm. myself out severely. And you're need a big nap after this podcast. Like, oh, yeah. Like every time I guess, <laughs> I'm always like sleeping for two days. Yeah, you're like, um, and I love it, right? And I and that's just how I be, so it's okay. But I think mm-hmm. that we, it's interesting because it takes a level of work in this space, but never hard work. And I want to repeat right. that because I think it's important. When you first begin, it takes work to get yourself going, but it doesn't. It, you don't. We make it more difficult than it has to be because again, mm-hmm. we come from a society where we have to earn it, we have right. to prove ourselves, and to me, that's never it. So, like an example mm-hmm. is. Clearly, you never would have taken off on TikTok if you didn't make TikToks, though. Right. That took work, right? right? But I think that we it's when the desire is there, it's doable. Like I am someone, I'm very introverted. So again, I'm not the kind of extroverted entrepreneur you typically expect, but I'm passionate. And that to me is what matters the most. Um, in, in entrepreneurship, you'll find in the beginning, it's uh, it's working toward what you want. Once you get it or have it, achieving it actively, then it's learning how to allow it to be easy which is kind of like a mind F because we're, we create situations and success where we have to rise from the ashes again. So an example is I call the Cinderella syndrome is like when we, as, as especially women who I primarily work with is this idea of, 
you know, having to triumph. Like think of like my 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 niece is obsessed with Frozen, the first mm-hmm. movie, fantastic, obviously. And there's she has to overcome her power. And then movie number two, of course, everything falls to shit. They have to triumph again. It's just like, yeah. can these people ever get a break? So as right. young young impressionable children, we are taught that it's ne- it can never last. The shoe's mm-hmm. going to drop. Have to do it again. So we create the situations where we have to. Nothing's working. Got to do it over when everything is actually working. So. I digress. I know I was going off on a tangent, but I think it's important. When it comes yeah. to this space, it's it's work and then it's it's not hard work. I, I, I know that we kind of confuse it too, but I think that especially when it comes to marketing and sales, for whatever reason, we make our businesses so much more difficult, like our sales mm-hmm. processes and our marketing tactics. I'm just like, ah, clean up that shit. It doesn't have to be that difficult. Like you can allow mm-hmm. it to be easy. That's it. Allow yeah. it to be easy. Yeah, I think that that is so interesting that you say that because that's it's so much so much of that comes down to mindset. I experienced that in the first year of my business. Once I started, once I had just made that switch in my head of I'm doing this and I'm going to make it work no matter what. It's interesting because I, you know, a year later now, two years later in my business throughout that time, I've had a lot of people ask me like, what was a really difficult time in your business or what were Mm -hmm. things that you had to overcome? And of course uh, there were things I had to overcome and 99% of those were just personal life things that are out of your control that kind of interact with business. But it's funny because I never really had a huge moment like that. You know, I've had burnout mm. and the typical things, but yes. it feels and it feels wrong to say that. It feels weird yes. because I want yes. to be able to say, well, I had this moment where I crashed and burned. And then, like you said, that story of kind of coming back from that. But you don't always have to have that. And like you said, we totally make it so much more difficult for ourselves because we're so used to that. And I still find myself doing that. I'll have days where I'm in the corporate world and I'm like, oh my God, what I would give to be able to just do whatever I want midday, you know, work for (laughs) a few hours, go to an appointment, go shopping, whatever I want to do. And then when you're in that situation where you can actually do that, you feel guilty. There's so Mm -hmm. many days where I feel so guilty, even just relaxing at the end of the day, because I'm like, I haven't earned this. I need to be exhausted. I need to be stressed out at the end of the day or the work day. It's It's so messed up. We're trained. And when we live in a world where people don't experience this life, like my dad, he's, I'm very lucky, he's sober now and he's thriving, but he wanted to get a second job. And I was like, and I'm like, why? And he's like, I want to make more money. And to me, I'm like, I make more money when I'm working less. Like it's, but again, it's like a different kind of, it's a different mindset. One thing I want to point out that you said though, that was very, very important is you said when I decided, what Mm -hmm. we don't understand is I am anti the word trying. I Mm -hmm. hate the law of attraction too. It's not trying anticipation. It's anticipation of failure is all you're Mm -hmm. doing. When I'm mm-hmm. going to try to go to sleep, it's either, either you go to sleep or you don't. Like, why right. are you trying? Think about, I like to right. give the example of like marriage vows is mm-hmm. if my husband, when they were like, do you take <laughs> melanin sickness and health? And he's like, I'm going to try. I'd be like, ew, no, you either will, you won't. <laughs> You're like, like okay, you we need to go talk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's like, are you vowing yourself to this kind of lifestyle? Because yeah. it is it's more mindset than it is anything, anything. It's because yes, you're, again, totally. you're going against what you haven't been trained to, to do and you're hearing what other people are saying about it. And it's just, a, it's a, it's a big mind fuck. Um, but mm-hmm. once you master the emotional intelligence necessary, like I, my business is so easy and I, I'm not ashamed to say that business came easy to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't make money for the first six months because I 
didn't know what the hell I was doing. But right. once I did, I was like, whew, I went straight mm-hmm. from like zero K zero K months to 30 K. And like, it's within like a moment I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, it happened. I wasn't like, I didn't earn this. I have to give it back. It was like, hell no. Mm-hmm. Like this is no, it doesn't have to be hard in order to be worth it or earned. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just hate that shit. It bothers me. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so – it's really difficult to break that pattern. But I think a lot of it, especially yeah. in the beginning, it's funny because I don't remember thinking about a lot of the things I did. And I think that that was yeah. a big key for me. Like, I'm not saying all to always do that. Like, you know, yeah. a lot of things require thinking and you know, mental yeah. capacity. But whenever I was in my business – there was, it feels like the first year was a blur because I was just mm-hmm. doing it, made the first post, doing just it. did it, showed up on my stories. Yes. It was so embarrassing to me, but I was me like, too. I'm doing it and posting the yeah. TikTok, showing up on TikToks. And once yeah. you start doing that, it's, you really start exercising the muscles of doing the things that scare you. Yeah. And I think also keeping or retaining a sense of excitement about your business and excitement about trying these things and viewing it as an amazing opportunity yeah. versus something that's so terrifying to you. Yeah. But I, th- I really think a huge key to it, and it sounds redundant, again, like you were kind of mentioning a minute ago, is but it's just not thinking about it in the beginning and doing the things. You know what you need to do. So yeah. just don't think about them and do them. Yeah. If you think about it, you're going to stop yourself from doing it. Listen, we have it down to a science now. Like it's impossible to fail if you just yeah. follow it. Like that's mm-hmm. the m- most mind-blowing piece is that it, you, you can't fail unless you give up. Yeah. But it's it's interesting because there are two things I want to say. A scientific thing when it comes to not paying attention to it is there was actually a study done by scientists where they had molecules or energy, right? Um, and when they would look at it, the molecules would stop moving. It would like stay oh, still. Oh, yeah. Would vibrate. I saw there that. that. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. And when you, when you looked away – it, it changed into possibility. So this mm-hmm. comes to like when we're goal setting, if we're focusing on something too tightly, like this post better go viral or this thing better do that. And we're so honed in and have tunnel vision on the thing that we want to achieve. It has no room to move because you're staring at it. Right. So what, what I do is I call, I tickle, I tickle my goals. I'm just like, Ooh, 300K months. Let's tickle that and see how that feels. Let it go. Mm-hmm. And I just keep doing my job. But I think that we think that we can like bypass the suck. My right. very first Instagram stories, I had a full mouth of braces. Like I didn't give a <laughs> shit. It was so embarrassing, but I was like, it, the cool part is it was either I show up or I don't eat. I had no choice. Right. So I just right. did it. And I wasn't like, oh my God, do I look stupid? Do I look like it? I'm just, I just did it and I, and that was it. And it was done. And then I just, right. and I got here. So very similar to you, just do it. You can't skip your day one, get it mm-hmm. over with and then move on. That's it. That's all yeah. it is. Just yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. And it's so, it's, it's, it really is difficult to do it in the beginning, but you, I think that another big part of it is just having like unshakable faith that you are, it's going to work out the way that you want it to. And it yes. doesn't really matter. It's just the same way that, you know, people who are Christian or people who are religious yeah. of any sort, yeah. they don't constantly think about the fact that, you know, okay, I believe in this God or whatever. Most of the time, it's just, I know, I know this. This is what I believe. Yes. And I think that you yes. have to have the same type of faith in your business that it's going to work out. And that you just don't know how you're going to get there. But having Absolutely. those, it's, that's, I think, a big mentality that my my business has allowed me to adopt even in 
regular life. It's I've mm-hmm. always struggled with I want to control situations. A lot of times whenever I was younger, yes. my other people's emotions, it felt like they were decided upon by me and I could make them feel better. I could make them feel worse. And I think that's really easy to carry over so many things like that into mm-hmm. your business or into your adult life. And adopting that mentality in my business has translated over into my personal life so much. And just, it's always, to me now, my mentality is just, it's going to work out. It will work out the way it's supposed to work out. And this thing that's happening to me is either going to change the path that I need to take to get to that point, or it's going to keep me going the way I thought it would. And I think that having that mindset is really important too. Yeah. And again, going back to the science of it, when you have, when you know, and just trust your physiology changes, you attract Mm -hmm. in the field you dwell in, ask any successful human being, multimillionaire, billionaire. They never say, I don't even know how I got here. I just, it was luck. It was this. It was like, they're like, I knew it was, there was no other choice. It was happening. So when we think about, and the quantum field is another, like all the possibilities and it's, it's literally a science, which I love so much learning about law of attraction. Mm -hmm and such. But if you're – think about being around someone who's like, well, I don't really know if it's going to – like think we're going to go Super Bowl. Let's go Super Bowl. Super Bowl, imagine one team going, well, we hope we're going to win or like we're not really sure, but like we're going to try our best. Another team's like, no, 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 we're going to win. Like who do you Mm -hmm. think's going to win? The people who know they're going to win. So it's the inner knowing and it literally changes the – the the attraction and how big your attraction is and how quickly it comes to you is that is that inner knowing but what's also mm-hmm. what's also really interesting is what really fucks us up is not the knowing it's the time piece we put on things right it's the because again time is also man-made people like universal mm-hmm. time we created the timing of the universe is different than that so like when the radish is growing in the garden, that's that's timing of the universe. When we're trying to force our goals to happen by a certain uh, time stamp, that's human timing. We've made that mm-hmm. up. So when we think about our goals and we have that inner knowing, we start to say, okay, but it has to happen by the end of the month. Like it's mm-hmm. the universe. Like we don't know what you're saying right now. We're just going to do what we do. So what we what we do often is we have a goal, put a time stamp on it. It doesn't happen at our time. So we start to say, oh, it's not going to happen. I have to either lessen the goal or I'm not meant to do this. And the universe is like, what the hell are you doing? Like just mm-hmm. what? Like no. And it will be yours. It's just, it's very interesting. It's, it's also unique too is I also knew I was going to be successful. And along the way, I had ideas of what that success was going to look like. Like I wanted to work at this advertising agency in Chicago. Like that was my dream. I did everything I could to get into this freaking place. And they always denied me. I had an inner knowing that I was going to work there. It wasn't meant for me. Right. But I trusted that what was going to come after that was going to be even better. And now I'm here. So thank God. Right. I think it's very similar to like whenever you, for instance, are – starting a company or like a cloth a product based company or whatever and you have to make all of these pieces of clothing and you know do yeah. the sourcing and make the designs etc cetera, etc cetera. but you have the launch date set for a year mm-hmm. in the future you know that you're going to launch it because you have this time sequence that you've set yes. up you know it's going to happen yes but with our business even though we are tangibly doing things every day mm-hmm. when we're starting that get us closer to that goal we still in our head are like I don't know if it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. And I think you do have to view it like it's something that's already set in stone. It's going to happen. Yes. It's just a matter of the time it takes to get there because, yes. you know, everybody is completely different and it's really hard because of course we want to know the answers naturally. Oh, that's yeah. how we are. But I've had students in DCA who have gotten booked out in a month. Mm-hmm. I've also had students who 
went through a lot of stuff, were dealing with personal things, maybe mm-hmm. worked a nine to five, maybe they had kids. They graduated DCA with no clients, but they kept going at it. Mm-hmm. Six months later, they're completely booked out and have a wait yep. list. Yep. But had they stopped three months earlier, they would have never gotten to experience that. And that cycle would have just continued the rest of their life. Correct. So remember, when you feel the fear or that doubt, that's your subconscious trying to grab onto predictability in the future. No one's mm-hmm. going to buy from you. You can't do this. Like it's going to happen. That's just inevitable. But mm-hmm. I like to believe that when we are experiencing, when we're watching people bypass us in terms of success, we're only going through what we're going through because we're. it's meant to teach us how to hold it. So mm-hmm. I think about Walt Disney was d- declined 300 times by right. bankers before he got approved for his loan. Imagine if on the 200th so time he was like, uh, this is not for me. Clearly no one gets it, but he kept going right. and he saw the vision and eventually it worked out. And like, now look at Walt Disney, KFC, mm-hmm. Colonel Sanders, same thing yeah. over a thousand times that he was rejected. Mm-hmm. And I like to believe it wasn't because that the universe has to put you through trials and tribulations in order to make it worth it and earn it. Right. That's what we think. We always opt for that. But I like to believe that it's because God, universe, source, whomever you want to believe in knows that they were meant to hold something huge And they had to experience that in order to hold what they were going to hold once it all came to fruition. So, like, that's what I like to do. Just gave me chills. (laughs) Right? Think about that. Like, my upbringing, I like to believe that it was because I was meant to hold some epic ass shit. And that's why I went through it. And that makes it, like, worth it in a sense. Oh my gosh. I love that. I rarely get chills. You gave me chills. (laughs) Ooh. The I know. I have one friend who's she's like, she'll like look at a, we were literally just at Ulta today and she looked at a makeup palette and she was like, I just got chills. I'm <laughs> just like <laughs> so funny how, how people are different so that funny. way. Um but going back to like, kind of starting to show up whenever you are kind of first starting online. And one of the biggest things I would think I I would say whenever people are first starting is the, you know, fear of showing up and feeling like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. So how do I come off as an authority? And then the second, once they get over that hump is, well, I feel weird talking about my services, talking about selling. I don't really know how to sell. So there's kind of those two things existing at once. But so for that first one, we can tackle those for the first one, people who kind of show up online, they've started their business, but that feeling of, well, I don't know, I'm not an expert in this. So therefore, how should I show up as an authority and attract these people into trusting me? What would be your advice for those people who are in that mentality? Yeah. So I would say for for coaches, because it's a little bit different when it comes to service providers and coaches, but I want to give my two cents on both. When you're a coach in this space, just know that when you're just a couple steps ahead of someone, you're closer to their their, their transformation. You can actually help them better than someone who's farther away. Yeah. When I worked for, when I first started for a multi-million dollar company, they had a really hard time talking to beginners because they were so far removed from that transformation. It's they hard to really, remember. It was hard it's to remember. So, so yes. Yeah, so they had a hard time and they would ask me for advice on how to, I took it as an insult though. They're like, how do beginners respond to this? I'm like, rude. But anyway, but I'm you like, want to be- one, so. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So you want to be close to that transformation because you're able to walk them through it real time a lot quicker. So that's for coaches. When it comes to service providers, as someone who hires people, I would never be like, wow, you're such an idiot. Look at you trying to be an expert in that. Like I, what I look at more than resume is passion. When we Mm -hmm. are, and this goes for coaching too. Like when I'm looking to hire someone, it's not because of their resume, how much money they make most times. It's not like, I'm not like looking at all the bells and whistles. It's just one, who are you as a person? Do we, do we work to, can I see us working together well in terms of your personality? And Mm -hmm. two, are you passionate? Because I can't teach passion. I know that we're only always learning. I'm always learning. I don't expect you to know everything about what you're trying to do and who you're trying to service. So 
understanding that you are just beginning is one thing. You don't ever have to try and uh, validate it or say like, well, I'm mm-hmm. just beginning. It's like, no, no, no. Own the fact that you're beginning, but you're eager. Yeah. Who doesn't want to hire someone who's eager and passionate? Mm-hmm. Like that's like the two most fleeting characteristics I that I find the hardest to come across in the online space. Oh my God. Yeah. I would, yeah. I've, I've worked with people who were great at what they did, but I did not feel that the work ethic, I didn't feel that they, yes. you know, really like it just didn't drive well. And of course that inevitably, yeah. inevitably, unfortunately didn't end up working out. And I like to kind of talk exactly. about how Kaylin, my OBM, who is by far mm-hmm. the per- person on my team, who's the most involved in my business, Whenever I, you know, she took D, she went through DCA. Whenever we first started working together, she was working with brand designers. She was not working in any of the platforms that I had yeah. wanted to bring her on to work with in my business. And I, yeah. she was a VA at the time. I needed an OBM, but I was mm-hmm. like, this person, I just knew. I just could see the passion. Yeah. I could see the work ethic. I could see that it could turn into something so amazing. And so that's why I approached her. It wasn't because she was an OBM already. It wasn't because she was an expert in any specific field. And that's what's happened with literally every person on my team. And because of that, I had a really amazing team. So I think that's probably so comforting to the people who are listening, who are like, I'm freaking a really hard worker. I just don't know how to use Kajabi yet. (laughs) Yes. And and everything is YouTube. You know what I mean? Like it's so, you can learn anything in this space. But I will say too is, this is what I mean when I say the industry is changing. It's mm-hmm. not the traditional, here's my resume. Let's do an interview like this. It's I, I know immediately if I want to hire someone, I'm just like, mm-hmm. do we energetically go together? And then if it's yeah. like, yes, or like, I will find someone and they'll message me and be like, I'm obsessed with you. I want to work with you one day. And I'm like, Oh my God, like I want to find a place. I don't know what I want you to do, but I want you in my business. Like I've had people I just hired. And I was like, I don't know what you're going to do yet, but like just, just I want gonna you to do something. Yes. So like, again, that's what I mean when I'm saying like the, the it's, it's changing, it's evolving. Yeah. We're so used to marketing being this very buttoned up kind of, here's my resume. Here's how I did. It's like, like I could care mm-hmm. less your qualifications in that sense, unless I'm hiring you to do like a website design. I want to make sure that you know how to do website design. But other than mm-hmm. that, like if you're eager to learn and we match, then I don't see the issue. So the, mm-hmm. the biggest thing that I find when it comes to beginners is we 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 hide a lot. Like we're scared of being yeah. seen fully for who we are. And that is exactly what makes you stand out. The online yeah. space is so freaking crowded in the best way possible. I love seeing people in this space, but the thing that makes you you is you and makes you stand out is you. So be more of you. And and if you're a weirdo, be a weirdo. If you're a freak, be a freak. Like if you're funny, be funny. Like I love seeing people who are very authentically themselves. It makes me excited yeah. to be a part of them because I just, I like that. Di- I don't want someone who's like, someone who's very buttoned up and like, I mean, if that's their personality, great. But like, that's not who I want in my business. I right. want someone who's like funny, personable, like hilarious, has a good sense of humor. Like that's who I want to work with. And that's who I always find. Yeah. And it's, I, I think another important thing to remember, this was kind of an experience that I went through whenever I was first starting and I heard, I don't even know where this quote came from, but I heard the quote, knock on the door of giants. And I was like, Mm. freaking mind blown by that. And that was something that I started to embody every single Mm. day after that was, okay, Maybe before I would have held myself back from messaging this person because I thought they were too big to work with me, but I'm going to do it today. Yeah. And so I got so many opportunities from that. And I remember this was even when I was first beginning, there was this, I was obviously in the wedding photographer niche. 
there was this couple that were like powerhouses in the wedding industry and you may even know who they are, but they were powerhouses and they were like, they would have been dream clients. And I remember following them. I would always be on their lives commenting, just like trying to make my presence known. They ended up booking a discovery call with me because I was just going after it and looking for the opportunity in that sense. And I remember they wanted me to make like a test graphic for them. And this was at the time where I was really freaking struggling with Canva. So I like spent like three hours on this graphic, just figuring it out as I went because I didn't know what I was doing. I was not an expert. I was not proficient at Canva at the time, but they were like, okay, yeah, awesome. Looks good. Let's do it. And it's those moments. It's almost like the cart before the horse in those situations Mm -hmm. or whatever that phrase is. I'm not the best with those, but it's that situation of, I put myself out there and knocked on the door of giants before I was really ready, felt ready to do it. And then I was able to kind of piece everything together in that moment because I knew what I needed to do. I knew what I needed to learn. And I think that is so common in this industry in general. Yeah. I love analogies. And this is the analogy that I give about riding a bike. Like children aren't like, let me read the manual on how to ride a bike first before I get right. on that thing. And like, let me study bikes before and like sit on the, you know, sit on the seats yeah. and just like pretend for a second. They're like, you got to get on to experience it in order to be good at it, in order to do yep. it. So if you're waiting for a better time or until you're an expert, it's like, you won't fully know the thing until you do the thing. Like marketing right. for me, I had internships before I even graduated and I would sit in class and be like, you're wrong. That's not right anymore because I was in the real world of marketing right. and I had an amazing boss at my internship and she taught me so much. I'm like, this is not even, when you experience it, it's so different than what you're actually mm-hmm. taught. So I even say, I would rather you learn by doing yeah. in the moment and sell that than just practice and say you can do it before you actually do it. So I, that I, even with my coaching clients, I will say to them, sell the thing before the thing's even built. Like, mm-hmm. why would you create the thing and do all that work before you even sell it? Sell it first, then build it. Right. Like, that's just how it should be, in my right. opinion. I love that. And then yeah. on the flip side of that, for the people who maybe have kind of gotten past that, but then they're like, okay, I have these services. I just feel weird about selling, weird about showing up and talking about, yeah. you know, this product or service or course that I have. Do you have any tips for kind of breaking through that and making it feel more natural versus making yeah. it feel scripted and yes. weird and pushy? Again, the reason why sales feels pushy is because of how we experience sales. Like you go into Victoria's Secret and the the sales person's like popping out of nowhere going, oh my hey, God, I you're like, like leave me alone. <laughs> yes. That's why we like online shopping. So again, this is what I mean when I say sales is changing. But if we really think about sales and what we are doing for the people that we are working with, we're, we're changing the world with our services. Like I'm not just selling, here's a sales course, here's a marketing course, here's a, here's a course of money mindset. It is a, I am changing your life and everyone who comes after you. Like when I, my money clients, I always, I love my money program. But when I think about money, everyone who comes after them, their children, their children's children are going to see money differently. Imagine yeah. a world six generations from now with the work that we're doing in this space. Oh Insane. God, I can't even fathom it. I get chills. I got the chills. I know. It makes uh, me cry. <laughs> I know. And so when you think about the work that you're doing, think about who you're doing it for. Because the only reason why we're scared of sales is because we're in our own head. We're making it about us. Mm-hmm. I'm scared because what if they say no? What if they say no? Will you die? No. Right. right? So I like to think about and go back to the sacred art of selling. And I think about who am I servicing? How How is it going to change their life? What are they going to do? I know when I'm in DC, I always talk about how we're family planning. We want a baby so bad. And I know that someone who yeah. comes to my business to work for my business is helping me create life. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, what a cooler job to have than to help someone right. create a family. So it's really thinking about what you are doing and who you're doing it for is the one piece. The second piece is with that knowledge now, would you want to withhold that information, withhold your service mm-hmm. if it's helping people? That's just right. sounds silly. You know, it's like when you have a favorite new book or something, you're like, this book changed my life. You want to tell everyone that's how you should treat your offers. You want to tell everyone because it's, they're so good. They're life changing. People's lives will never be the same being in your world. So like, that's how I view everything that I create is like no one, everyone who passes through here is going to see life completely different, business completely different. Like that's what I live for. So tapping back into who it's for. And if you are afraid, ask yourself, is this my subconscious just because it's new, trying to grab onto some predictability of like, what if you look stupid? Who gives a shit? People are always going to say no. Yeah. It's whatever you make it mean that matters, right? Right. I I love yeah. that. And it's I think that there's – I think a big part of that is, well, there's already so many people selling. I'm trying to kind of compete against them. But trust me, and I'm sure you've experienced this, it can be really difficult yeah. to find – good people for your team. Like it can be really difficult to find someone because there's so many factors involved. There's, you know, who are they as a person? What are their values? Do we, do we connect well? Do, you know, are they in it for the long run? There's so many different factors to it and it makes it really difficult to find good team members. So when I hear that kind of mentality of, well, there's so many people or it's oversaturated or I'm kind of competing against these other people selling, it is not even a factor, especially this early in the game. We feel like there's so many people. There are not at all. No. And I feel like we say that every year and then a new social media thing comes out and we're like going viral on that thing. But it's, and that's lack mindset. It's actually this belief that there's not enough to go around is not true. Mm -hmm. I want you to envision the online space as like God is hosting a dinner party with like unlimited lasagna. And it's like (laughs) God would be like, no, 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 please take some home. We have more than enough to go around. You wouldn't feel guilty being like, oh, hell yeah. There's like, I can take as much as I want because no one else is losing on this. Mm -hmm. But that's how I like to, to, to view the online space. And remember too, the people, I will say with service, with actually with anyone when it comes to service based businesses. One thing I will say is the kind of work that you do and the quality of work that you do matters. All of my service people that I hire, I recommend them to everyone and their grandmother. Like I'm like, Mm -hmm. you need to know this person and that person and this person. I've hired them. Like it's tax season right now. It's my accountant. I'm like, everyone hire her. She's so great. She's like, like, stop. I can't. (laughs) Okay. Enough. But like, that's what I mean is like when you do some good work, like I want to share you with everyone because I think that you're amazing. But I think too is like, Again, it's there's so much to go around. And like that should be the least of your worries. Again, you're making it all about yourself. Show mm-hmm. up for the person who needs what you have because again, all it takes is one second for all of that shift. One one mm-hmm. person to find you and be like, holy shit. But again, if you're not being proactive with getting yourself seen, because again, remember who you are looking to attract. If I like as you did, Jessica, with that big, that giant that you knocked on the door with, mm-hmm. uh, if if you're not making yourself noticeable on my page and I don't see you, I don't know that you exist. Not to be mean, unless I'm going out to seek right. someone very specifically for like a certain thing. If mm-hmm. you're not making yourself seen in my world, I don't see you unless I'm actually seeking you out, which is very rare personally that I do that myself. Right. And I and I think that along with that, it's a lot of that is so much personality too, like showing your personality, mm-hmm. not being afraid to show your personality, yes. especially like when you're talking to someone, like like you said, you want someone who is like fun and, you know, yeah. energetic and all of these different qualities. It's it can be hard to break that shift of I was in corporate and I had to act this way to being in the online space. Mm-hmm. But the more you are yourself, the more you will attract people. And also I think being okay to 
be, being okay with being told no and not spending so much energy on that. It's, I think it's so tempting once you have someone in the DMs, like to be like, okay, I can, I can get them to say yes, but just like moving on, like you're wading through a sea of people to get to that one person, just moving on when you are not connecting with someone. And let's think about that too in, in, in real life sales is like, let's say you're checking, we're going to use Victoria's Secret again, but let's say mm-hmm. you're at Victoria's Secret and you're going to check out and they go, do you want this tote bag to go with your order for an extra $20? And you say, no, you're not personally attacking the person selling the tote right. and you're not attacking Victoria's Secret for how they're, they mention the tote. It's just a no. It's just a yeah. no. It's just mm-hmm. a no. It's no big deal. And I would rather be told no and leave room for a yes than try to make myself a yes for that no. You know what I mean? Oh like my me. Gosh. Yeah. And I did that when I first started was I was I was spreading myself so thin energetically because I was like, I need the money. I need to work with this person, that person. Like they're clearly not exciting me and like I'm just doing it to do it. But if you hold out for your yes, like they are there. I actually want to hear no's. I don't want to be for everyone. Yeah. How boring is that? Like what the hell? Yeah. Ugh, I don't want that kind of energy. And it yeah. never – it never works. <laughs> Those times when you're like, oh, maybe you can get this client to say yes to working with me. By chance, if they do, it's probably not going to be a great situation. And because the worst yes, ever, yes, every time. Truly, yeah. if someone is yeah. not ready to outsource, and also knows a lot of times they're just not right now. Like I have had yes. situations where clients came back to me in the future Same. when they were actually ready to outsource, and that was mm-hmm. way better of a situation than it would have been if we had tried to make it work months earlier. Yes, yes. I will. I love my analogies. The bamboo. I love them too. Oh my god, I love this one. Yeah. This is a good one. The bamboo plant. So we think that when we hear no, and I love the not right now, it's always a not right. Well, most times it's not right now, but it's always a seed planted. Like when the gardener, there's a bamboo plant that takes five years to grow. Five full years, that's a kindergartner. It takes five years for this bamboo plant to grow. These farmers go out every single day for five years straight watering these plants watering these plants. And there's not a doubt in their mind that this plant is not going to grow. It just go, it's going to, right? It's just the mm-hmm. timing of this plant. But when they grow, they grow feet per minute. And I want you to think about whenever you show up on Instagram or whatever platform you're using, whenever you show up and create content, whenever you create a connection, it's a seed planted. Eventually those need, they will sprout. They will sprout depending on how much you nurture it. What we do is we'll show up for a week, plant our seeds, and then be like, it's not working. We start to dig up our seed just to make sure that it's working is the illusion that nothing's happening because all the greatness is happening below the surface, right? In the soil, Mm -hmm. the seed is grabbing the dirt, the roots are sprouting. We can't see that with the human naked eye. All the magic is in the unseen. So when we start to dig it up to question whether or not it's happening is when we have to, we ruin it. What happens when you dig a plant? You kill it. So you have to start over. Right. We often will overwater our plants. So the lack energy, that neediness energy of like, oh, I want this plant to grow faster. So let me just dump a bunch of water on it. What, what happens when you overwater a plant? It dies. So we do mm-hmm. that with communication. When, we, when a client says or a prospect says, I have to think about it. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I'll give you a discount. I'll do this. I'll do yeah. that. It's like, oh God. And they're like, uh, no, thank you. Because again, it's that, it's that lack energy. It repels the very thing that we want. So money yeah. goes where it's wanted, not where it's needed. So for, for you, plant your seeds every day. They will sprout. And even if it's a not right now, I've had so many people come back and be like, it's a hell yes. It's a hell yes. It's I'm ready now. And it's even better of a fit because they've gone through what they had to go through. I went through what I had to go through. And now we're a perfect match for each other. So remember, you you always attract in the field you dwell in. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the no's that you get is because they're below you in a sense of what you're offering. Like they're not supposed to be a match for you. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And we forget that sometimes when we're in it, you know. Totally. We so do. And I think that you – 
on the end of that, the the per- from the perspective of the person who's trying to sell, a lot of times yeah. you feel it too. You feel that it's a no. And that's, you know, there's, I think it's really hard mm-hmm. to start to learn to embrace that and to listen to how your body feels. This is something that you, there was something that I wanted to do in business all year last year. I was talking about mm-hmm. it and I was like, okay, we're going to focus on this next year. It got to this year and I was like, I actually don't really feel this anymore. Mm -hmm. And so being able to like recognize that and be like, okay, so we're going to shelf it instead of me trying to force it to work is I feel so much better about that. And if you pay attention Mm -hmm. as the person selling, when you're having this conversation or whatever, you probably are going to get some type of gut feeling that's like, this just isn't my person. I'm going to move on. Because when you are both excited about it, you feel it and you are excited to work with this person. Yes. And it'll come a time where like you are the one now saying no. Like yeah. people who are like, can I join your one-on-one coaching? And I'm like, I could do it, but I'd only be doing it for the money. And I don't want to yeah. do that with my one-on-one coaching. So it's like, no, I'm sorry, but like maybe it's just not a good time right now. So not right now. Like, yeah, it's, it's not right now. Like, uh, you know, and even if they want to pay me, it's still a no. And like trusting myself and knowing that like it's not a good time for me is the the most important piece. Something mm-hmm. I want to bring up. Are you okay if we talk really quickly about the energetics of sales communication really quickly? Please think, do. Okay. Please do. So um, when I said that there's an energy behind the sales process and the communication process is the, it literally is a masculine feminine energy, no matter the gender or whatever, it doesn't matter. We all have a yin and a yang in communication. Mm-hmm. I want you to imagine for a moment, if we, if me and Jess were trying to have a conversation and both of us were talking at the same time, impossible. <laughs> what I am doing now is my masculine. I'm the doing on the talking. What yeah. Jess is doing isn't her feminine. She's listening. She's leaning back. She's receiving it. When we are in the sales process, we both, we also have a yin and a yang. Oftentimes what we do is we go straight and heavy into masculine and going, here's the thing. Here's how much it is. Mm-hmm. Here's the discount. Here's who it's for. Blah, blah, blah. And then the person on the receiving end is like leaning back too far on their feminine and can't make a decision because they can't come back into their masculine. So what we need to do in communication is you give a little bit, you lean back. You give a little bit, you lean back. This is why I say I get so many people who are like, Melanie, I'm not selling. And I'm like, what is your sales sequence? Which is what I call a sales strategy. And they're like, well, I'm doing discovery calls and like all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, but do you want to work with people who need discovery calls? They're like, no. I'm like, then why are you doing discovery calls? Like you're right. doing, your sales sequence is leading with someone who you don't even want to work with, like who you think you're attracting. Mm-hmm. And then in the sales communication, like if someone DMs you and was like, hey, what are your services? I want to work with you. And you go hardcore into masculine over- uh, communicating too much in your masculine, you're like, I don't even know where to go or what question to ask because you gave me too much information. Same thing is, let's say you go to Victoria's Secret and they're like, here are 10 options for you to buy. You'd be like, what was the first one again? Like, I don't even remember what you just said. So like right. you need to dribble it out and have a communication with someone. Just it's, it's no different than you'd be if you were in person with someone. Like you talk, they listen. You listen, they talk. Like it's, it's, we, we overcomplicate that whole thing and turn into like, Word Savage beast who had never communicated with. Yes. We're like, wow, oh what's gosh. happening? Yeah. And it's just – and it's very similar to like pricing. Pricing yeah. actually takes us a second to like digest the information. So one thing when it comes to how we are receiving pricing – so if you're on a sales call and they ask you what the price point is for whatever package that you have, I do recommend having somewhere on your intake form or wherever listing it starts at. That way they're aware of mm-hmm. where your pricing starts. So it's not a surprise of like, oh, I can't afford this. But – that they're they're aware when you say the price pause 
So you'd say, mm-hmm. my pricing is $2,000 a month. Stop talking. Because what they're doing is they're receiving it. And then they can lead with their masculine of saying, oh, that works. Or do you have payment plans? Or can we break this up? Or what does this look like with your other packages? Allow them to ask more questions than you are speaking out with. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. This was, it's so hard when you were first starting. I remember I this was so difficult because I was like, God, this is awkward. <laughs> like Just sitting and waiting yes. for them to speak during that. Because you're already like... It's it's so you really I think my advice for any like person going into discovery calls or sales calls for the first time like just breathe and don't talk too much like you said let the other person talk because it's so tempting to just run over them with your words and because you're already anxious and you're like sweating and you're getting hot and you're just trying to talk and then you run out of breath and it's just so chaotic if you aren't doing what you said and just having the back and forth oh yeah and what I used to say when I used to do sales calls was when they took a pause and like no one was speaking and be like how does that number feel to you and mm-hmm. I would just be honest. How does that number feel to you? Yeah. It's too expensive. Okay, I had this other package if this feels aligned for you. But like I didn't make it a big deal. When right. we feel pressured on sales calls when we get really uncomfortable because it, like imagine – I always say sell the way that you buy. How do you mm-hmm. like to be sold to? If I'm on a sales call and they're like, how does this feel for you? You know, it's no big deal. Think about it. Like I'll give you 24 hours. Come back when it feels more like – like sometimes that feels so good being seen yeah. and being yeah. heard than being like – well, in the next 24 hours, that's going to expire and then you're going to lose it. And if I don't get your credit card on the phone call right now, like your your spot's mm-hmm. gone. I had a woman, my first coach ever did that to me. Again, oh. it's a very old sales tactic, but she, I literally had, I don't even know where my wallet is half the time. I'm like, well, I don't even know where my credit card right. is. So right. I actually had to use my husband's credit card when I first hired my coach, but she, she goes, I need your credit card now in order for you to, to get the $2,000 discount. And I'm like, Duh. and I'm literally like, my husband's oh. not home from work yet. I'm like frantically running around. I'm like, I can't, and I started crying. I'm like, I can't, I can't. I don't have a credit card. I don't have, can you give me? And like, to it me, sounds it like, like hell. <laughs> I already wanted it. I already wanted what she had, but she thought she had to do that sales mm-hmm. tactic to get me to convert. And it, oh God, it grosses me out. And like, that's what I mean that the, the industry is changing because we don't, I, I don't sell that way. And I make a hell of a lot of money not doing that. And yeah. it's like liberating. But anyway, so if they have, if they don't speak when you are giving the price point, just ask, how does that number feel to you? That's yeah, it. I love that. They had to think about it. Awesome. Honor that. Validate it. Empathize if it's appropriate. And then and then rework it. I'll talk to you. I'll, I'll follow up in 24 hours. That's it. I will I, say – so I'm going to shut out one of uh, Jessica's DCA students. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, um, her Instagram name. But a- after one of we guests spoke, she reached out and said, I would love to work with you. I'm like, hey, can you follow up with me in a month? Like we're just tax season right now. I'm like, I can't even think about that. Yeah. But can you follow up with me in a month? She followed up with me in a month. She actually like halfway through was like – Halfway there. Like, it was just so cute. Oh, and that's then, cute. And yeah, I know, right? And then she followed up in a month. I'm like, can you give me one more month? I'm so sorry. Just, you know how Q1 is. Just nuts. Oh, my God. It's um, chaos. But, like, but she wasn't like, my prices are going up. Like, you better do this now. Like, she was just so – and who do you think I'm going to think about when I'm going to hire someone? It's mm-hmm. her. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So like she knocked on the door of a giant, right? She took the step forward and then she remembered yep. and then and then and then showed up for it. I just love I love that kind of you do a good job as a coach. Like that's the kind of shit I like to see in this online space because that feels so much better than all the garbage that I see online. It's terrible. I I agree. And those are the people yeah. that are like, okay, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to keep this person on my team because yeah. there's it's your being treated like a human. Yes. And I, yes. I so agree. I would have probably keeled over on that call with the yes. coach. <laughs> yes. I was like, so, ah. and I didn't know any better, right? Like I've never had a call right. with a coach before. Right. Like, 
Oh my, my gosh. first time. So well, yeah. kind of on that same note, and we'll talk about this and then we'll wrap it up. But on that same yes. note is, and I think that there, I think that as my business has evolved, there's definitely. I felt so much less pressure to sell and be showing up every single day and all these things. Do you feel like, or I would say, I guess I should word it. How can you build up to that place where you don't have to sell as much if you think that there is one? Yeah, I think that there comes a, when you're first starting, there's always having to build trust and authority in your, in the niche. So I think it really Mm -hmm. depends on time wise. It's hard to say, but I think that in the beginning, making yourself known and seen is the most important thing. Once you've established notoriety, like it's very easy for you to just kind of ride the waves. Like if you think about like when you're getting started on a bike and you want to go really fast, like pedaling really hard, like you're you're getting, you're building that momentum, then then you can coast, like let go of the gas a bit. Um, but for for beginners, I'd say that, and I usually say like showing up daily is a non-negotiable minus weekends because mm-hmm. I want I want you to be more disciplined in the sense of you're you're being consistent, and mm-hmm. then once you have that going and moving and grooving, and you feel like you're in a good place to coast, like then you can kind of peel back a bit. But right. I would say it's one of those things that you just kind of know. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're just like when you're in it, you're like, oh this is what she meant when she said I can put my foot off the gas. So it's a, it's an inner knowing when you, when you get there. Yeah, sure. I agree. And it's, it's really cool because your business does start to become self-sustaining in a lot of different ways yeah. as it grows. Yeah. Even if you're, you know, just like a virtual assistant or whatever it is, service yeah. or social media manager, you know, your referrals and your highlights that mm-hmm. you've built up that people can go through, even if you haven't showed up on your story for a day or whatever it is, yeah. there's so much that, about your business that works for you, even when you are resting. And I think that that's probably really assuring, reassuring to the people who are like, just really don't want to be on social media all the time or don't want to have to show up all the way. You can build your business in the way that you want it, obviously with some non-negotiables to the point where you don't have to constantly be going at it. I also know people who literally never post on Instagram and are getting clients from like email marketing and referrals. It's, it's really interesting. The routes you can go. I don't really care you, unless I'm hiring you yeah. for content. I want to make sure that you're consistent. Like I, I think more of like subconsciously of like, are you consistent? Like, mm-hmm. are you reliable? Are you right. on for two weeks and off for three months? Like mm-hmm. I want to make sure that you're consistent and like, that's like a personality trait I look for, but I'm not like, how many posts did you do last week that I want to read? If right. I'm being honest, I actually don't even look at like content very much. Like, I don't either. Unless yeah, I'm like when I'm hiring someone, it's like, do we work together well? I look at their stories more so, I think, because it's like their personality. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But content, not so much. I don't really. Again, it's because you guys, when you get to a certain level, like I don't have much time to like sit through Scroll. and read all your Instagram posts. But if something catches my eye, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Then it catches my attention. Yeah. I like want to read it and then I want to interact. But other yeah. than that, it's like, are you showing up consistently? Is there? I get worrisome when I don't see any. Uh, story, anything on your story. When it's like there's yeah. no ring around there, I'm like, where yeah. are you? Like, what are you what doing? Are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like how long has that been like that? So I would say like even if it's just something, something, it's still something. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah, I think that there's probably a lot of other business owners who are very similar to us in that way where you, it's stories are so important. So important. Oh my yeah. God. For anyone who's listening, who is struggling yes. with getting clients, struggling with anything, stories are everything. It's yes. I similar to you. I can't even remember the last time that I like really scrolled my Instagram feed, but you better bet I'm watching stories. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Same. It's so much more digestible. So much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. 
Wow, uh, this was an amazing episode. We covered a lot and uh, yeah. a lot of uh, mindset is super important for business. I mean, obviously just in life as well, but I love talking about mindset. I think it's, it's, yeah. and, and I love money mindset in particular. So I think this is going to be super helpful yeah. for people who are struggling with that. Wow. So thank you so much for being here. And you want to let people know where they can find you, what offers you got going on. This will be a releasing later though, than we, uh, <laughs> then we're recording it, but still you've okay. always got something going on. <laughs> always, yeah, always. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at it's Melanie Auber, um, A-U-B-E-R-T. That's where you can find me on Instagram. I'm always posting something delicious. Um, and then mm-hmm. con- or content-wise, program-wise, if we think about the triangle, so marketing, sales, and then money mindset, for marketing, cash converting content's a no-brainer when it comes to how to post content. Mm-hmm. Uh, sales, I would say if you're beginning six-figure sales system, and then if you're beyond that, I would say um, my new era of selling is, is more about the energy behind sales and selling at a, mm-hmm. a different kind kind of way. And then for money mindset, my program magnetic money moves is like the bomb. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with the program. It's just so good. And it's six week money boot camp, and it's money in your business kind of boot camp. not like money in like just money in life. It's money and how it affects your business, the clients you attract, the prices you set. It's so freaking good. So those are the three things. If, if you feel like you need more help. I love it. And yeah. you finally got your, uh, your new Instagram handle. I, I was like I so I confused. I know. <laughs> I should have warned you. Finally have reels. I had a how annoying. Started a new Instagram, deleted everything, and then I got reels on my old account after I created oh, a new one. Is that why you made the new one? Yes. I had no reels. And my engagement was like oh I have to I had to do it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh, so are you gonna go back to the old one or keep it it's, fresh? Well now it's like because it was so stagnant for so long and everything was deleted, yeah, I don't even need to. Like how stupid. So we're just starting over. <laughs> I cannot believe you went that long. But that was like a what, like a year without reels or something. Over Maybe a, a less, year. But, oh no, it was over God. a year. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Instagram was like, well, we're going to see what you can really do with selling. Yes. <laughs> and then it's come to a point now where like, because TikTok's even getting even bigger that I'm like, I have no choice, but like yep. to play with the algorithm. So here you we gotta, are. You got to get on video. I know. Reels yeah. and TikToks, where it's I at. Know. Well, thank you so much for being here, everyone. Go check out Melanie. She has a lot of really good information. You also do a lot of like pop-up masterclasses I do. here and there about different good. things. Yeah. 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 Cool. There's always a masterclass. Yeah. Awesome. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in and I will talk to you on the next episode. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast. I am your host, Jessica Hawks, and I am so happy to have you here. Follow along with us on Instagram at the Digital State of Mind so that we can stay connected with you and get your feedback on what you want to hear on the show. I know everyone says this, but we're serious, okay? <laughs> Talk to you next time.